0: Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all of them, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody, welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian and I am your host. So I am recording this episode on Monday, August 23rd, 2021, we are heading into the last days of summer. I always get so nostalgic. I am actually back from a couple of days that I took off last week and I went to Portland, Maine. And it was the first time I'd been completely submerged in the ocean in easily three years. Um, I haven't taken a trip anywhere to like a warm Caribbean type place. And for those of you listening who live in the New England area, you know, the water here is pretty much always cold. But we were really fortunate in that when we went to the beach, the water was warm enough that you could just go in. And I just went in. Dove the whole nine yards, swam in the waves, and um, it was really great. You know, this was really the first time I actually packed a bag since uh, November of 2019, and that was the last time I went on a trip. And so, um, you know, of course, because of the pandemic, all the trips uh, for me have been on hold. I haven't gone anywhere, gotten on a plane, gotten in a car, packed a bag. In fact, I moved during the pandemic in January and I threw away my toiletry case. So I actually had to go out and buy one just as a reminder of how long it's been since I've traveled. So um, I will say these last you know, couple of days or week and a half or so of like official summer before labor day, I always get really sad and just think about, you know, just the warm weather and that it's eventually going to turn, but I do love fall. So that's a that's a, something to look forward to. So um, I want to just start out by letting you know that I'm going to try something new this week. I'm going to actually leverage my Instagram platform to do two free workshops. And when I say workshops, they're going to be short. They're not going to be, you know, kind of the traditional one or two hour event on Zoom. These are gonna be more um, kind of short, quick overviews that I hope will give you uh, a chance to kind of grab this content because of the way it's being presented. Namely, you can just be on your phone, you can just log into my Instagram and it's not gonna be a big time commitment. And let me remind you, it's going to be free. (laughs) So tomorrow... And Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to go live on Instagram. Tomorrow, I'm going to focus on hip anatomy. And Thursday, I'm going to focus on shoulder anatomy. So depending on when this episode goes up, it should hopefully go up today, Monday, the 23rd. But I am recording late, so it might not go up until tomorrow, which is Tuesday, the 24th. So the dates of these two Instagram live trainings are August 24th. And August 26th, uh, 2021 is, of course, the year we're in. And that's at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And because it's on Instagram Live, you don't need any password. All you got to do is just log in to Instagram on your phone, or you could do it on your laptop, I guess. And just look me up bare bones yoga. Now, the cool thing is after I present the content, you're going to be able to type in questions and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to navigate through the small screen and be able to, to answer, see and answer questions that you have. So the other thing though, is you can send me a DM on Instagram right now with questions you have about hip or shoulder anatomy. And that way I'll have your question before the workshop, which would be ideal. So I hope to see you on Instagram tomorrow uh, or Thursday for those two free quick workshops on hip and shoulder anatomy. As you know, again, these are not going to be deep, deep dives, but as far as I'm concerned, you can never get enough of kind of anatomy relearning. And if you're someone who's just beginning to study anatomy, this is a really good kind of no cost, no pressure platform um, to, to begin to dive into the info. So for today's episode, what I actually did is I went to YouTube and I don't know if if you know, but YouTube and Google are the most searched search engines in the world. So when it comes to, you know, those of us that grew up before YouTube and then watched the genesis of YouTube, it was never really something that you'd search on. I mean, Google was always the search engine. But YouTube has become so much of a how-to site for people. Um, I actually use it for a lot of things, you know, around the house, different projects, just anything, landscaping questions, anything like that. And so as a result, I I decided today to go to YouTube because I know that you guys are on YouTube and I know you're asking your yoga questions of YouTube. And so I can find out what your questions are if I go to YouTube and, you know, kind of look at the queries that are coming up. And you can do this on Google. You can do it on some different search engines. But I know that yoga teachers really go to YouTube a lot. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to find out what are yoga teachers really looking for when it comes to a specific scenario? And that scenario is what cues for what poses are the most popular topics, like the most searched upon Uh, yoga poses that teachers are looking for assistance with when it comes to cues. And I'm going to tell you the results that came up for me. I typed into the search bar, um, yoga cues for, I believe that's the query I put in. And the results I got were the following poses, downward dog, warrior two, for grounding, right, so cues for grounding, extended side angle, sun salutation, and chair pose. So those are the top six postures we're going to be talking about today. Now I want you to think about this from a couple of different perspectives. I'm going to be focusing for the most part on action cues. And I want you to remember there are four different kinds of cues. There are action cues, alignment cues, anatomy cues, and feeling-based or somatic cues. And Those are the four types of cues that you can select from when you are cueing a posture. The other thing, though, that needs to be overlaid on top of that, or even kind of precede that, come before it, is the framework you're going to use. Are you going to use all action cues? Are you going to use three action cues and an anatomy-based cue? Are you going to focus on just alignment? You know, what type of framework are you going to use as you're teaching? And this is something that I go into in extensive detail in my Blueprint Learning Program, which is my signature program for yoga teachers on how to learn anatomy so that you can cue confidently and you can provide sequences that are safe and highly accessible. And so that you can answer students' questions confidently and in a way that's going to impact them well beyond that one conversations that you, conversation that you have. But here in this um, you know kind of small tidbit on this topic, I want you to keep in mind that you know I'm not going to actually teach you about queuing and teach you about frameworks here, but I want you to keep in mind that that's part of the way that I teach this, topic. And it's very different, um, you know, from how a lot of teachers are learning cueing. And, you know, I think from if you're like a lot of the yoga teachers that I talk to, you might be like them in that you are looking for a way to organize what you know, so that you can clearly communicate with your students. No one likes to go into a yoga class and have somebody like, dump all these words on them. That aren't organized in a way so that they can understand them and know what the hell the person wants them to do. And no teacher wants to go into class and feel this anxiety and pressure around sharing queuing information or share or teaching, let's just put it that way, because they're not sure how to organize all these things in their head. And so a framework does that for you. It allows you to organize your thoughts. Think of it like an outline or a recipe. So having said that, let's start to go through these postures and we'll see kind of the different aspects that we can pull in for each one. So the first one is downward facing dog. So let's just kind of first, I want you to envision someone in downward facing dog in your mind and let's take kind of the highly, the most highly accessible route, which is to teach action cues. So I'm gonna give you some action cues for downward dog and think about this from the perspective of this is what you want the person to do. So number one would be press away from the mat. Number two would be draw your belly button into your spine. Number three would be uh, press your thigh bones back. Number four might be press your sitting bones to the sky. So that pretty much covers, those are four cues. You could do all four. You could do two of the four, three of the four. You can basically play around with those four throughout your class, right? So those that just gives you a framing for action cues for downward dog. Now, what if you wanted to bring in some alignment? Well, you could say, press away from the mat, setting your hands shoulder width distance apart and spreading your fingers wide. So that adds in some uh, of the alignment of the posture by speaking about, well, how should the hands be placed with respect to one another? How should the fingers be with respect to you know, each hand and how they look on each hand. So now we're getting into alignment, feet at hip width. Um, You know, well, I'm gonna kind of stop there. I would say those for the most part, you could even say maybe align your ears with your arms. That would get them into correct head positioning. And that again, speaks to alignment um what if you wanted to bring in some of the anatomy well you already said draw your belly button into your spine so now you might add in a cue that speaks to well what muscle is concentrically contracting when you draw your belly button into your spine so i'll just give you a minute so think about that you're drawing your belly button in udiyana banda what muscle is the primary muscle that would be concentrically contracting Well, if you guessed rectus abdominis, you'd be correct. Now, sure, you could make a case for transversus abdominis, but the cue would be different for that. It'd be more speaking to the sides of the body. So as you ask people to draw the belly button in, you're asking them to activate, concentrically activate rectus abdominis. So you could say, press away from the mat and draw your belly button in Activating that muscle that runs right up the center of your body, called the rectus abdominis. Now press your thigh bones back and lift your sitting bones up. So that's a way to just kind of slow drip in a little bit of anatomy. So now you've got an anatomy-based cue in there. So that you know gives you kind of an overview of downward facing dog as it relates to. Providing just action cues, providing a framework of action cue, action cue, alignment cue, alignment cue, and providing a framework uh, of action cue, action cue, action cue, anatomy-based cue. So that, let me just kind of stop here for a moment. So that gives you one example of a pose framed three different ways using different information. Now, what if you're a newer teacher and you're like, I don't really know anatomy enough to be able to speak to uh, anatomy and the postures. Well, that's okay, because remember, you can focus on action-based cues the entire time and provide a really powerful class for your students, one that's highly accessible, highly understandable, and an experience where people will leave and they're going to feel like they totally got what you were throwing down, right? They totally got what you were saying. And they're not leaving feeling like you were speaking some secret language. I mean, So many times when you go to yoga classes, there's all these references to things that most people don't understand. And all it does is continue to create this mystique around the practice. Oh, we've got these mala beads and oh, we're speaking about the breath and we're speaking about meditation. And it's like, this is exclusionary, esoteric thing instead of an inclusionary accessible practice that anybody can do. So keep in mind, as you're a newer teacher, as you're getting your feet wet, use action cues as a way to build your confidence and help your students really understand what you want them to do. So that's the first pose. So now let's take a look at warrior two. So warrior two, let's look at it from the perspective of an uh, action and alignment. So I want you to imagine your, your students are in downward dog and you're going to cue them from downward dog into warrior two on the right side. So I'll just kind of walk through a couple of ideas. So step your right foot forward and drop your back heel, turn your hips to the side and open your arms wide. So now with those cues, they're action cues that gets the person in the posture. So now what you could do is you could provide some alignment cues, stack your head over your shoulder, shoulders, (laughs) stack your shoulders over your hips, align your front knee over your heel, right? So now we're getting into the shape. We're talking about something in its relationship to something else we're talking about lines, right? Alignment, lines. So align your spine in one long line, align your head on the center of your shoulders, Uh, align your knee over your heel. So all of these things, you could also speak to uh, level your pelvis, right? So even though you ask them to turn their hips to the side, What about the position, the alignment of the pelvis? Well, you don't want an anterior tip or a posterior tip. So you want a level pelvis. So these things speak to the alignment, right? So now we've got a framework where we're blending two types of cues, action cues and alignment cues. So I'm going to stop here and I'm going to ask you, you know, when you think about how you cue, are you organizing in your head, the types of cues into these neat categories? And if you aren't doing that, and I bet you're not, if you aren't doing that, think about and don't think too long, just try it. Like just try doing that and see if it gives you Um, a sense of relief that now you have a way to organize what you know. I mean, there are so many yoga teachers that know things to say that would be helpful, but without a framework and without this um, opportunity to think of what they know in the context of these types of cues, they're out there just blah, 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 right? So now you've got a way to categorize your current cue repertoire into different buckets, action, alignment, anatomy, feeling-based or somatic. And now you've got some framework ideas or create your own. And so now you can take a deep breath. You can feel your feet on the floor and go into these classes and feel like you've got an organized approach to teaching people. So that's just a little bit about, you know, kind of one approach for Warrior Two. So the next uh, search result was, Cues for grounding. Cues for grounding. So this is an interesting one. And it reminds me of a question I get um, occasionally in teacher trainings when I teach anatomy. And it has to do with how some people teach to ground into the feet by referring to the four corners of the feet. And other teachers teach to ground into the triad of the feet, the base of the big toe, the base of the pinky toe, and the heel. And so people will ask me, teachers will ask me like, well, what's correct? And this is always a funny question for me, not this specific question, but to frame something when it comes to conversations around anatomy <clears throat> from the perspective of, well, what's the right way? What's correct? And I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, there really aren't a lot of literally correct answers for a lot of your anatomy questions. I'm going to say that again. There there probably aren't a lot of specific correct answers for a lot of your anatomy questions. And you're probably scratching your head thinking, well, Karen, how can that possibly be? Well, the reason that that is, at least in my mind, is because learning anatomy and applying it to the human body becomes a process um, that isn't always um, a matter of right and wrong. It's a matter of applying information in the context of, you know, maybe the person that you're working with, the class that you're working with, the scenario that's happening. And it also requires acknowledgement of a bunch of different things. So for instance, um, there are some things that I think are clearly right, wrong things. Like if someone says, what's the bone in your leg? or what, what are the bones in your leg? And the answer to that would most definitely be your femur, your tibia, your fibula and your patella, right? So that kind of thing, I don't think anybody is gonna argue about, that's clear. But when it comes to something like this question, what's the right way to cue people when it comes to grounding into the body? You know, cueing to the four corners of the feet, cueing to the triad of the, of the feet either is okay it really becomes a matter of maybe your personal preference or what you think would be most understandable by your students. And also in a way, in this specific example, there might be something that ties into a broader theme that you're teaching where it might make sense to cue them to a four-corner approach versus a three-corner. Now, there are a lot of other examples that we don't have time to go into today, but I want you to just think about that you know, because I know that a lot of teachers look for the answers to things. And when it comes to anatomy, and I want you to allow for this idea that your approach to learning anatomy can be more focused on learning the key aspects rather than constantly looking for what's the right way. Because believe me, as you learn the key aspects of anatomy, You will have so much in your repertoire to pull from to handle all different sorts of scenarios that you're going to come across. And that's going to give you the freedom to be able to teach safe classes, to teach highly accessible classes without being hung up on this what's the right way. So that's a little bit about that. So, back to this question here about what are good cues for grounding. So, now that we've talked about, well, you know, depending on the scenario, you might cue to the triad or the four corners. That's one piece of cueing uh, people to, to grounding into their body. But let's really think about like, what does grounding mean, right? So literally in the word grounding is ground. So we want them to connect to the ground. So the first question is, well, what position are they in? Grounding from standing Grounding from sitting, grounding from lying on their back. So, you know, all of the different shapes of the body and its relationship to gravity is going to conjure up different cues for grounding. But the overarching theme is whatever is touching the ground is what you want to speak to. So, your cues should speak to what is touching the ground. So, if you have people in tabletop, you're going to speak to their hands and their knees right? Sure, the tops of their feet and their shins are touching, but they're not really grounding through those. If they're standing on their feet with their feet at hip width distance apart, you're going to speak to their feet, right? Now, of course, you can also say, roll your inner thighs back, hug the sides of the body in, align your head over your shoulders. But none of that really addresses the specific issue of getting them grounded. If, if they're sitting on a block, you could speak to the connection between their sitting bones, between their pelvis and the block. So I think you kind of get the idea here, you know, speak to what is at the floor. And that, as it turns out, tends to be another great framework for your cues. You can cue in a grounding theme with all of your postures, and that might be a great way to frame the cues that you share with people. So I think in terms of cues for grounding, you know, if we take something like, um, let's take, well, even let's take something like, like child's pose, where it's not an active posture, like you would imagine a tabletop or a Tadasana is, but it is still a posture that when it's presented first, you, most likely want grounding to be part of the somatic experience for the student because it's the first thing you have them do. (laughs) And so here is a great opportunity to help them get present, feel what's going on in their body, and you can coach them through that experience. So again, if we use this framework of what is touching the ground, think about yourself in child's pose, what's probably the most common physical sensation from a grounding perspective, I would say probably the forehead and maybe the knees. And regardless of, you know, I think to a certain extent, if someone is uncomfortable in child's pose for some kind of, you know, biomechanical or musculoskeletal Uh, reason. And, you know, you'll, you'll see these students in your classes where you call out that first child's pose and you see people can barely bend their knees and their hips are not on their heels and they're squirming around. It sometimes is not a great posture for people. And that's why I don't always use it as the first posture in class. There are reasons for that and definitely ways you can modify it. Let's kind of put that to the side for a moment. Let's take, you know, kind of the person who is comfortable forehead and knees are probably the two parts of the body that you're going to speak to. And both of them, especially the forehead, when you start to mix in themes of the third eye, you know, give you a chance to pull from other pieces of the practice. So we're not just talking about the musculoskeletal system, we're now able to draw from, you know, different limbs of yoga, yoga theory, yoga fundamentals, um, yoga history, speaking to the third eye, starting to, you know, bring some of that language in. So that's an approach for speaking to grounding, cues for grounding. So the next one is uh, extended side angle. So we already talked about warrior two An extended side angle is basically a variation of warrior two. So I want you to imagine your students are in downward dog and you're gonna teach them from downward dog to get into extended side angle on the right. So I'm just gonna kind of run through an approach using a framework of action cues only. So from downward facing dog, step your right foot forward, drop your back heel and open your arms out to the side. Bring your right forearm to your right knee and take your left arm up and over your head. So there they are in the pose. So now they're in extended side angle. So you could leave them there. And you notice I'm not saying, you know, step your right foot forward, inhale, exhale. I'm not blending in the breathing base. Cues. I know a lot of you have been trained to integrate breath into all of your cueing. In my approach, I don't encourage teachers to do that because it interferes with the cadence of providing the most essential information, which is what do you want your students to do that they probably don't know how to do? (laughs) And that is the actions of the pose, the breathing they know how to do. Now, yes, there's a whole Very valuable piece to yoga practice, which has to do with the mindfulness of the breath, meaning bringing mindful focus to the breath. But it doesn't need to be like we're clobbering our students over the head with breathing cues all the time. And for us as teachers, it absolutely gets in the way of us doing the main thing that we're there to do, which is telling them what we want them to do, which is the actions of the pose. So if you're constantly cueing people to breath, I want you to try, uh, or it's not really what I want. I would say, if you're willing and open and coachable, try to let go of some of that and see what kind of space that gives you to do more of what you're there to do, which is to cue people as to how to get into the posture. So, the, pro- the approach I just gave is action only. Now, the interesting thing though about extended side angle is it does have some anatomical actions in it that lend themselves really well to uh, specific anatomy based cues. So, let's take a look first at, um, at extended side angle from the perspective of the joint actions. So we've got the right hip inflection and external rotation, the right knee inflection. We've got the left hip, remember the right foot's forward. We've got the left hip in extension and internal rotation. Now remember all joint motions are designated as a range. So you might think, oh, I thought the back hip was an external rotation. Well, it's definitely not. It's internally rotating, but depending on the person and the position of the back foot, that would affect how much internal rotation is happening. So one thing that, um, that you could speak to, if you wanted to speak to the anatomy, is you could literally blend in some of what we just discussed, which is what are the joint actions? So you could say, after you get them into the posture with the action cues, notice the right hip. Can you get a sense that your right hip is opening or rotating open, or you could even say externally rotating if you wanted to use the literal terminology. Um, You could speak to the position of the back foot. Turn your back foot slightly in and see if you notice that turns that back hip in a bit. And that can start to connect for people the joint action of both hips and give them a chance to start to realize, wow, I can actually control how much internal rotation depending on what's happening with my foot. And, you know, so this is a way again, to kind of present this anatomy without clobbering people over the head with kind of this, you know, heavy duty, you know, know know-it-all type approach. It's just kind of a gentle way uh, of inquiry. And at the same time, presenting them with what, what's happening in the posture from, from an anatomical perspective. Now, if you wanted to anatomy wise, wide anatomy wise, <laughs> you could speak to a little bit of the muscular actions, right? So you could, um, you could, you know, you could even again, bring the rectus abdominis into it by asking them to draw the belly button in. You could ask them to, relax the shoulder blades slightly down the back. And you could speak to the fact that some of them might feel a bit of scrunching around the uh, neck. And that might be because the trapezius is a little tight. See if you can relax there. It's a common muscle that tends to get a bit tight in people. So, you know, these are just different ways to drop in a little bit about what muscles are doing, what, you know, there really isn't a lot of scapular adduction. There's some in, in this posture. So I wouldn't necessarily ask people to draw the shoulder blades together. Um, And even though the back hip is an extension, it's, it's, I don't necessarily think cueing people to the action of the gluteus maximus as a hip extender or the hamstrings is something that on a somatic level, they're really like if you said to them, squeeze your left hip. I, I don't know. I don't really feel like that would that would work. You could cue to the transversus abdominis and ask them to draw the sides of the body in. That might be be a way to do it. Um, and you know, you could actually a cue that I do like to use in this is to roll uh, the right hip under or to direct the right sitting bone towards the back heel which essentially emphasizes the external rotation of the front hip. And you could speak to some of the external rotators that might be a bit much. So you could basically say that right hip is open. You've got muscles on the back of your hip that are helping you do that. So sometimes I like to just talk about muscles in terms of, well, where are the muscles that are doing this thing, you know, rather than getting into, oh, piriformis and quadratus femoris and obturator and all of that. So that's a bit uh, an approach to Warrior Two. So the next result that came up is Sun Salutation, and I'm actually going to refer you to a YouTube video, haha, <laughs> uh, that I have on cues for Sun Salutation, and it's actually much better than going over it here in in the audio version only. So you can just look up that on YouTube. But we can address this last one that came up, which is Chair Pose. So Chair Pose. Um, and when you think about chair pose, it's got one really significant anatomical action that really distinguishes it from a lot of other postures. And I want you to think about what might be the distinguishing anatomical action for chair. Just think about like what's happening in that pose, what like is really distinctive. And if you're saying hip adduction, you'd be correct. So it is a unique posture. You know, there probably are other postures. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but, um, certainly this one is one where you are definitely adducting the hips. And so when we say, okay, so now we're in a pose where the hips are in adduction. Well, what muscles are concentrically contracting to help us do that? Well, the adductors. So we've got pectineus and we've got adductor magnus, adductor brevis, adductor longus, all the muscles that line the inner thighs. And the other interesting thing about chair is we're drop our hips are in flexion and we're dropping the hips towards the floor. So you might say, oh, okay, well, if the hips are in flexion, the psoas must be concentrically contracting. But when you look at the body's relationship to gravity, The hip extensor muscles are actually the ones preventing you from sitting all the way on the ground. So in reality, gluteus maximus and hamstrings are actively contracting to slow down the rate of hip flexion. So that's why sometimes people say, oh, I feel like I'm using my glute max, or typically what people say is I feel like I'm using my glutes. But again, they're not using medius and minimus as much as they're using glute max to prevent A whole bunch of hip flexion. So you could integrate some of this learning into your posture, into your cues. I think, you know, a really good approach for chair pose is to focus on action cues because it it has such a distinctive action of hip abduction. So if you were teaching somebody from, let's say, standing, and you were to say, reach your arms up to the sky, drop your hips a couple inches, and hug your inner thighs in. Right now, you've got them in the pose. So now you can add in other pieces, you can add in, um, you know, some of the anatomy we just talked about, you could say, uh, as you hug your inner thighs in, you're strengthening the muscles that bring your hips closer together, that bring your thighs closer together. So without going into that whole litany of four or five muscles that I talked about that are the hip adductors you could just say, hey, you're strengthening these poses. I think that's a great way to frame anatomy lessons and learnings for your students by at least referring to the contractile muscles, which are the ones strengthening versus the ones lengthening in a particular pose. Um, You could also, again, speak to rectus abdominis You could provide some variations for the arms up in the air if you notice that, which, you know, this again is a common thing. As people reach their arms up in chair pose, if they have any shoulder limitations in terms of range of motion, they know they want to get their arms up, but if they can't get their arms all the way up, sometimes they'll tend to arch their lumbar spine. And so you could suggest to folks not to sit as low or to bring their hands to the heart. You know, you don't have to get into a lot of the scapular action or the shoulder action, you know, just provide the modification because really, you know, if there were a part of the body to focus on more in chair pose, I think it's more the lower body than the upper body. And so that's why providing variations like hands at the heart or hands at the hips really just takes the upper body out of the equation and allows the student to really focus on the primary action of that posture, which I would argue, I don't want to argue, but which I would suggest (laughs) is the hip adduction. So those are some ways that you can blend in some of this information. And, you know, keep in mind, again, you're going to approach cueing this pose as you would all of your postures with, you know, if you want to take, uh, you know, some of what uh, I'm sharing in this episode to use a framework, to have in that framework, some organized way that you're going to pull from the cues that uh, are organized by type. And again, I, I really think like one I was going to say fun. I think this would be fun. One fun exercise you can do today is write at the top of a piece of paper, action, alignment, anatomy, feeling based, and start to write out cues that you commonly use and categorize them. And you're going to see that you already know a ton. And it's just a matter of organizing what you know, and sure, maybe some of the anatomy-based cues, and that column is going to be not as, you know, filled up with with suggestions as the other ones. That's okay, right? Now you have a little bit more of a directed approach in terms of. What are you going to do to up your anatomy knowledge? And you know, one thing I'm going to say is you can always go to my website and get on the wait list for my Blueprint Learning Program. That that would be one specific action you could take rather than signing up for a general yoga training where you're going to get all sorts of information. If anatomy is what you need to know, my program is definitely designed to help you. So again. This exercise will give you an opportunity to organize what you already know, so now you're more armed as a teacher going into classes with confidence around what you do know and a plan for what you don't, and it gives you a way to start to share your cues effectively and confidently with your students. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. This really, you know, kind of came to me because I'm actually starting to do a lot of content research. For those of you who already are on my Instagram or kind of scroll through it every once in a while, you might notice the look and feel of my Instagram is different. I've integrated my new branding colors, which are on my brand new website. I've started to organize my feed so that, you know, it really is what I hope is clearer to those who visit my Instagram profile that my focus is to help anatomy, to help yoga teachers understand anatomy so that they can share it with their students in the three main ways, cues, sequences, and answering their questions. And so going forward, you know, my Instagram is going to be a resource for you and around those goals. So you'll start to see the posts on, uh, on my, Uh, page reflect those, those goals and my mission as a, as a teacher. And also, I want to also let you know, I'm really on top of now doing both reels on Instagram and IGTVs, which basically are IG live, Instagram live. And then it turns into an IGTV video that lasts on your profile forever. So you can access when you go to my Instagram profile, you've got a bunch of resources there. You can access my posts You can then go to the Reels tab and the IGTV tab, uh, and you're gonna see a whole bunch of resources like past videos I've done. And I'm really committed to building that up. So it's really kind of a little educational dip in the water here when it comes to learning anatomy. And then I do lives, uh, I'm sorry, I do, um, uh, what is it called? I'm blanking on the, oh, stories just as like little behind the scenes things throughout the day. You'll see quite a bit of my dog Coco in my Instagram stories, and that'll hopefully bring a smile to your face. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Don't forget uh, this week on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to be live on Instagram 2 p.m. Eastern going into hip and shoulder anatomy. I hope to see you there. As always, leave a comment on my Instagram um, or just DM me on Instagram with any questions that you have and I hope you have a wonderful week and I will be talking to you on next week's episode next week. Have a great week. Namaste. Hi everybody, Karen Fabian here and thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you hang up, before you disconnect, and move on with your day, I just want to let you know, if you're like a lot of the yoga teachers that I talk to, you're looking for ways to break down anatomy into its key parts so that you've got an organized approach for your studying. Well, I'm going to tell you an easy way that you can get hold, get a hold of the topics that you should be studying. And they're all reviewed in my Learn Anatomy Challenge. This is a free video series that you can access online watch the videos, download the guide that goes with it. And you'll essentially have an outline to shape the studying that you're doing because it takes the broad subject of anatomy and breaks it down into just the key topics that you need to know. So in order to get to the Learn Anatomy Challenge free video series, you're gonna need to go to the special URL, the special webpage that holds these videos. So if you're driving right now, You're probably not going to be able to obviously write this down. If you're able to write this down, I want you to just grab a pen and a piece of paper and just write down this URL. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram and I'll send you the link directly. If you're looking for the URL, you want to just go to it yourself. Uh, I'm going to give it to you right now. It is barebonesyoga.lpages.co forward slash learn anatomy challenge. Forward slash. And in between the words learn anatomy challenge are hyphens. So it's learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge and then forward slash. So again, I'll just read you the URL. Barebonesyoga dot lpages dot co forward slash learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge forward slash. So that's the web page that holds all of these videos. There's nine of them. Uh, and you can go through those and you can take notes. You can print out the uh, guide that goes with it. That would be, uh, that will be a great companion guide to have in front of you as you're going through these videos. So again, if you have any trouble getting to it, just send me a direct message on Instagram and I'm happy to send you the link directly. Don't be on your own trying to study anatomy. Use this free video series to hone in on just the topics that you need to know. Good luck.